0: Well, good morning. Good morning, uh, Dad. I'm gonna move this back to where it was supposed to be. Um, well, my name is uh, my name is Jacob, and you know as I said, my dad has six kids, and there's no doubt that I am the favorite. And so uh, I'm honored to be here and blessed to be here. I know I got some family and some friends out here, so thank you for making the trip way way up in Delray and Boca. I know it's uh, I know it's a, a bit of a ways, but um, you know it's been it's been wild. For those that don't know, I, I grew up in this church, and about eight years ago, call, God called me to pastor at a church in, in Boca Raton, and so uh, I've been up there in Boca and living in Delray, and um, I've I formed some of my best friends, some family. I had got married, met my wife. I met I had two kids. We had a dog. So you know, it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy crazy things happen enough in Boca, but I'm just so honored and humbled to be here. You know, this past week was my last week at at my church that I've been at for eight years. And many of you could probably relate, you've been in a family, you've been in a state, you've been in a school or a job, and you've been there for a while, and now you gotta step out. And although this step out wasn't bad, it was good, it was still hard. You know, you know the, the bonds you have, the attachments you have, just makes it much more challenging to step out of. And so it was tough for this, this, uh, this past week, we said bye to our staff, and we said bye to our team, we said bye to our students. I've been in student ministry for eight years, You know, working with middle school students, high school students, and ages 18 to 30, and so I said bye to all of them, and I know I still see them around. I'm like, you better invite me to your graduation, you better invite me to your wedding, I better be at the hospital when you have kids. So if you're watching it online, uh, I better get that invite, just because I'm here doesn't mean I'm checked out of your life. But um, so so uh, it's been it's been crazy, and you know this past Sunday, which was our last Sunday, you know everybody's coming up and asking questions like, are you gonna miss us? of course I'm gonna miss you. I'm not gonna miss you though. I'm gonna miss everybody else. You know, what, what did you, you know, it's like, uh, are you sad? Are you excited? All these emotions you can imagine. And one individual came up to me this past Sunday and asked this question. They said, What's the one thing you've learned that's uh, changed you the most over the past eight years? What's the one thing you've learned that's changed you the most? And I could only think about one word, and that was the word investment. And I responded, I said, You know what? The investment that we have made in people's lives, if done right, is very hard and challenging and ugly and dirty, but it is so worth it. And so these past few weeks, I've been sitting here thinking, what should I talk about? This is my first message, what should I preach? Could I, part two of my dad's sermon last week, which by the way, was amazing. Like he said, you could check it out on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and listen to it. Um, But I think the, the Lord put this on my heart to talk about the answer to that question that was being asked. And so if you're taking down notes, I want to encourage you to jot a few things down. The title of today's message is People Are Worth It. People are worth it. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we thank you for everything you've done. We thank you for these moments. We thank you that we could get out of bed with an extra hour of sleep and show up to church. And we know in many other places and countries that's just not possible. And so, Lord, over these next few moments, we ask that you would... Maybe speak to us in a new way, a, perhaps a, a refreshing way, a way that we have not been spoken to before, with the words in your scripture. As it has challenged and shaped me, would they challenge and shape everybody in this room? And the whole goal is that somebody at some point today or this week would be drawn closer to you because of today. And so we worship you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said in one loud voice. Amen, amen. Do me a favor, turn to the person next to you and tell them, I believe in you. <laughs> and then your second option, go, to, go ahead and tell them as well, you believe in them as well. I know you didn't choose them at first, but you chose the other person. <laughs> hey. You know, I, it, was, uh, it was years ago, I got the phone call you never wanted to get when you landed at an airport. My wife said, I'm on my way, but I'm stuck on 95 with a flat tire. She wasn't stuck on the side, she was stuck in the middle. And all I could help but think is, well, how long are you going to be? Because I ain't sitting here all night. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'm going to be this hero. I had somebody take me, uh, you know, take me to where she was. She was coming south, and I was coming north. So we pulled over in the side of the meeting, and I, and I hopped over. I was like, what if I hop over and trip and stumble? That would be wild. But I hopped over, and there was a police officer there. I, I guess a tow truck already showed up and changed her tire. So I didn't have to do that. But um, I just reminded, as I a, as a, see tow trucks, and I saw the tow truck, who didn't tow her away but helped her change her tire. I can often think about, I don't know if you think about this, but every time I see a tow truck, I think of the Good Samaritan. In fact, it's interesting because every other vehicle, when they see somebody on the side of the road, ain't stopping. In fact, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get out of the way. You don't wanna be seen, but what's the only vehicle that stops for the for the broken down vehicle? It's a tow truck. Now, I know they get paid to and they have to and they're under in the insurance, but it's interesting, it's the only vehicle that carries, to me, looks like, to me, just looks like Jesus. I read it said that tow trucks remind us of Jesus because they carry a cross on their backs and they are the saviors of the broken down. So how many are thankful for the tow trucks out there and all the people that help us that nobody else wants to? You know, what would it look like if we as a church, we as people, every time we saw somebody who was hurting, Every time we saw somebody who was in need, every time we saw somebody who needed to make some progress in their lives. I don't want you pointing at anybody, but I know you can name some people. They need to make some progress in their life. They're at point A, and you know they need to get to point B. Imagine what it looked like if every time we saw that, we stopped and extended a hand and said, I got you. I'm here for you. Because to be honest, I think so much of our life can be so much about us. We build a family. We build a a career. We find success, and we've missed the whole point. We've missed the whole point of what God is really trying to teach us and tell us. In fact, this is what it says in James chapter 4, verse 13. This will be on the screen. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city. We're going to spend a year there and carry on business and make some money. Why? You do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. Somebody say mist. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We're just a vapor, God says. We're just, a va- We're just a mist. And I think too many of us, um, what's very interesting is we sit here and we count our, our years and we number our years. You know, I just turned 29 this year, so I'm about to turn 30 next year, which is mind-blowing to me that I'm going to be 30 years old. And not that that's old, but to me it's old. So I'm just thinking like, man, we number our, we number our, uh, uh, our lives by years. And God says in, in Proverbs, I number them by days. In fact, Job said it this way. He said in chapter 7 to verse 6, he says, days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Now, I have no idea what that means, but I would assume it means we're just a puff of air. That's how fast life is. It comes and it goes. And I think most people, a lot of my friends who, who maybe aren't in the faith or don't know Christ, it's like, why are you living if, if there's nothing to live for? So many who, who aren't living in Christ live a life that's such a mystery. They have no idea where they're going, no idea what they're doing, no idea who they're marrying, and yet you would say, I'm a planner. I plan on everything. I got it all down to the years, to the days, and how did 2020 work for you? And I think what Christ is saying to us sometimes is just breathe. And my favorite word that I use to my wife sometimes is just relax, which she hates that word, but just relax. I think sometimes tell somebody next to you, just relax. Relax. Your life is only but a vapor. It's going to be here and it's not going to be here. So while you're here, use it for the glory of God. Amen. And so um, if we're going to live for God, if we're going to honor God, there's a there's a part of that that has to be not really focused about us because life can be so consumed about us. And so here's something you can jot down. God isn't looking for selfish people, but he's looking for selfless people. You got to ask yourself, how selfish am I at times? And if you, you, you're one that says, well, I'm not selfish at all. In fact, I'm never selfish. And I was, you might be selfish or prideful, one or the other. But I think so many of us, we need to step out and say, you know what, God, this life that I live really can't be about me. It, it, it can't be about me because if I, if I love you and life is all about me, it doesn't make sense. That's an equation that does not add up. In fact, it goes on to say this in 1 John 4. He says, if anybody boasts that I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister thinking, Nothing of it. He is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, then how can he love the God that he can't see? The command we have from Christ is pretty blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You mean my boss that I don't like? Yeah. You mean my coworkers that I don't get along with? Yeah. You mean my siblings that I have disowned? Yeah. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to have both. So if we're supposed to love people, then we have to assume and come to the understanding that uh, we believe people are worth it. And we can't walk knowing that this is something that we have to do, but this is something that we get to do. Amen? And so if you will, go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It's a, you know, Paul is an interesting man and, you know, one of the founders of the faith, founders of the church, really, who would plant a church and then he would kind of go away and he'd get, Word from the church, and he'd write back to the church, or he'd write an encouraging word to the church. And so, Paul is is now addressing the issues that the church is facing. One, there's false teachings happening in the church, and now there's disagreements happening in the church, which makes sense. If you don't believe what I believe, and you start believing this thing, and it, it's like we're just not going to agree. We'll just disagree to agree. Now we're gonna we gotta try to figure it out, and so. Paul, who meanwhile was in prison, is responding to the, the people in not only Rome, but the, the people in Philippi. And he's saying, listen, you got to get your act together. There is there is disunity that, that the, the devil, really the enemy, is coming in trying to split you all up. If he can split you all up, he can divide, he can conquer. And uh, this is why he responds in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Read with me, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, do I have anybody in the room that's been encouraged because of the unity in Christ in this place? Come on. He says, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy, Paul's joy, complete by being like-minded. You mean with the people I don't like? Yeah having the same love being one in spirit and one of mind. Church, have we forgotten that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against the rulers, the principalities, the authorities of this enemy, this evil. Our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is not another party. Our enemy is Satan himself. So stop fighting each other and start fighting with each other. Start fighting for each other. I think we just we could go a whole life disagreeing with the person next to you in the row next to you, and yet you still show up to church. Guess what? You're going to be stuck with them for the rest of your life in eternity. And so you better get to know them, and you better get some restoration happening in your life. Stop fighting each other and stop fighting for each other. We've got to be like-minded. We've got to be one in spirit. Churches closed down because of this issue. Families are separated because of this issue. People are lost. Children are lost. The person that you are sitting next to you, go ahead and tell them, I need you. But, but to also tell them that, but you need me. You, you also need me. You know, we cannot do this on our own, and this was never a journey. This was never a, a calling. This was never a, a path that we were supposed to, this wasn't a, was never a solo act. We were never supposed to be alone in this. We were supposed to be together. Ecclesia, community of people. I'm reminded in the passage of, Ecclesiastes four twelve. It says, "Though one may be overpowered, two. Somebody say two. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken." I mean, you know the bonds that you have with certain people. You know the ties, the ties that I've had with my church for the past eight years. That that's tough to separate. But a cord of three strands, you and somebody else, whether a spouse, whether a relationship, whether a friendship whether a coworker, with, with Christ. The third strand, it says it's not easily broken. You know, the, the passage that you often hear shared, shared in weddings, my dad and I, will, when we, we do weddings, we'll often speak out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about love. And I love the passage, this always gets me. Love holds no record of wrongs. Come on, somebody. Love holds no, no. You know, if you translate, translate that word in any language, it's no, zero record of wrongs. This is what we do when we get married. I wish this is what we did when you started following me on Facebook or you started following me on Instagram. There should be in the fine print, you shall hold no record of wrongs against Jacob. (laughs) Come on, how funny would that be? How serious would that be? Because I think so many of us, we start judging somebody. We start holding things that you know against them. We start you know calling things out. And now here we have distanced ourselves from the body of Christ because of certain issues. When God is saying, yo, resolve that. It's not about that. That's not a battle. That's not a hill to die on. Fix it. There is more things that are important in the kingdom of heaven than some people disagreeing. Or your inability to reach out and extend some grace and some love. And so this is why Paul is very clear. He's like, yo, you got to start respecting people. You got to start serving. People, you have to start out of this. Is the passage in, in verse verse three? He says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, somebody say rather, but rather in humility." Well, that's a good word, humility. Anybody know anyone that struggles with humility? And uh, you know, the, you know those who who say they don't struggle with it, or maybe they're very prideful, but when they they perform an act of humility, they wanna talk about it. I'm like, yo, you can't be vocal about that. You just canceled your humility. You can't. And I think about this passage, but rather in humility, value others above. I mean, there's so much in this passage. Above yourselves. Are you talking about, I need to be beneath so-and-so? Yeah. Above, Value people above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests. So again, not being, not being selfish, but each of you to the interest of others. So being selfless. You see, this is, this is radical thinking for so many of us who, you know, we, we, we step out and we want to show everybody all of our accolades, all of our trophies. I mean, I don't know if anybody has trophy walls in their house still, but yo, I'm like, get rid of those things. <laughs> This is the perfect moment for the darkness to hit in, all right? I don't know if that was intentional. But uh, I, I think so many people, we just, we start walking this life and it's it's really about us. And, and Paul is saying, in humility, that's the only way you can do it. Value, it's the only way you can do it right and godly. In humility, begin to value. Somebody say value. In humility, we have to be able to. To value, because as soon as you start vocalizing it, because you have to understand the word humility derives from the Greek word tapinos, which means lowly or of low degree. So if you're down here, guess what? You're not really heard, and that's okay, because humility is is, is not vocalized, but it's recognized. Humility has to be recognized, not vocalized. You've canceled your humility if you want to start shouting it and start showing how many people you've helped, how many people, you know, you, you gave, how many organizations that you, you know, my business, I got all this money because of that. Here's what I've done. Here's the homeless I fed. Here's the cars I've helped push out of the road. I'm like, that. that's not, that's not how it works. In humility, we value others above ourselves. You know, I have high respect for people who work in the restaurant business. Because to me, who, you know, I did it, and I assume most of us have probably done it at some point, whether it was cleaning dishes or, but the restaurant business to me is really more so the people business. Because let's be honest, how many places you go to that has great food, but poor service? you know, I'll I'll sacrifice. I'd rather sacrifice the other. I'd rather sacrifice the, maybe if the food isn't all that great. I'm not talking about like, you know, roaches or crap like that in there. Can I say that? Sorry, I apologize. I'm talking like I'll sacrifice the quality of the food for the quality of the customer service. Man, I love some customer service places that are good, and um, but but then but then I've seen those who are just miserable. You ever had a server who's miserable? I'm like I'm questioning whether or not they want to do this with their life, and I'm like, can you find another job where you don't have to work? Because you know, and I had a horrible waitress one time at IHOP. It was. 3 a.m. and there were 60 of us and there was only one waitress and so I guess that's a that might be a legitimate excuse that's the only excuse Uh, but uh this past week we took a bunch of us to a restaurant and it was like 11 at night and there was 20 of us and there's again one waitress but she was amazing she was awesome she like loved her job she's like I've been here for like seven years I've had two kids here not in the restaurant but two kids since I've been here I ain't eating there anymore. (laughs) And she was like so excited. And I'm like, I love, I love people who want to do their job and want to serve people. I love it. And actually, I've got a friend here who told me years and years ago that uh, even if it's poor service, tip them well. Poor service, tip them well. One, because obviously that tip is a lot of their paycheck, but also because you never know what they're going through. You never know what they're struggling through. You never know how your faithfulness to step out and say, I'm going to honor you, even though you haven't honored me, goes a long way for somebody. Amen? All the servers out there. So when you go go out to eat after church, make sure you tip tip them well. You know, we certainly don't believe in people and love people and cheer people on because we get paid to do it. We do it because the love of Christ compels us to do it. Because let's be honest. I don't think anybody wanted to sign up for serving people because, can I say this? It doesn't always look sexy. My dad hadn't said anything worse on stage before, has it? (laughs) It didn't always look sexy. It doesn't always look good. In fact, I said it in the beginning, sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's, it, it's tiring. Sometimes it's empty pockets and empty wallets, right? Sometimes it's gas on E. I mean, come on. Sometimes it's just, I don't want to get out, get my hands greasy and change somebody's tire. Come on. I don't want to. But I do it because the love of Christ compels me to do it. I don't want to help somebody move. Because have you ever helped somebody move? In most cases, in, and, you know, being a pastor in my job description is to help somebody move as well as I got a truck. So it's in my human nature now to help somebody move. I want to move you, not pack you. So that that junk better be in the boxes before I show up. <laughs> but I don't do it because I have to. I don't do it just because you're my friend. I do it because the love of Christ compels me to do it. You mean I got I to gotta keep pulling somebody out of addiction, out of relapsing. I got to keep doing it. When am I, When is it just going to get better? It may not ever get better. That's all right. You don't do it because of that. You do it because the love of Christ compels you to do it because you think people are worth it. And so I pull people out. I'll get him, I'll do it over, and I'll do it over, and I'll do it over and over. And again, it'll never stop. I don't care if I have $0 in the bank account. My wife cares, but I don't care if I have $0 in the bank account. I don't care if we ever, never go on a date or, or never have a home or never have a nice vehicle. I want to serve people because they are worth it, even if that means sacrificing everything that I have. And so Paul is telling these people, he's like, you have to understand, like, there's, there's going to be some sweat in the game. There's going to be some some of your time taken away. Don't hold your wallet or your resources too close to you where God cannot use them. It has to be sacrificial, church. And who did it best? Jesus. Jesus, all throughout scripture, he was hanging out with everybody. Sinners, people with diseases, the poor. In fact, Luke 4.18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. It goes on to say 10 chapters later in Luke 14, 13, but when you have a banquet, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind. No, 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 Jesus, they ain't invited to our party. Our party is high class, high society right here. These people got some money, they look pretty. Everybody else, they can go to another party, and Jesus is fine. They can be invited to my party. I don't know about you, church, but I want to be invited to Jesus' party, even if that means, you know, putting aside all my plans and all my efforts to say, I want to be on the side that Jesus is on. So let's invite everybody. Why? Because people are worth it. People are worth it. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, then you'd actually show it. People are worth it to Jesus. It doesn't matter the leprosy, the the bleeding, the sickness, the mistakes. Nobody, hear me, nobody is unworthy of the love of Jesus. Nobody. And, uh, Goes in to say in 2 Peter 3 9, this is the message translation. It says, God isn't late with his promises, some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end when he comes back, which could be soon or maybe not. Regardless, you better prepare and you better tell everybody about Jesus. He says he's holding back the end because he doesn't want anybody lost. He's giving everybody space and time to change. God is patient with people. God is loving. God is extending grace. God is extending mercy. God is never giving up on people. So why do we give up so easily? Why do we give up? You don't understand, Jacob. I've been, I've been praying for quite some time. Well, keep on praying. When, when, when is it, what causes you to stop? What causes you to, to go, you know what? At some point, I think I dropped some mints out here when I when I opened up my pocket. <laughs> At what point does it does it stop for you? I've just just I don't know. I've just been giving so much effort, I've giving so much money to this family. They ain't ever changing. And um, you know, I think about the Good Samaritan story, the tow truck, right? The only one to stop. And uh, let me read it for you in Luke ten, verse thirty three. But a A Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where this man was. If you remember, there was a man who was beaten and robbed and thrown onto the side to die. The righteous passed. The teachers passed. The good people passed. They saw him, and they said, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. I got more important things to do. I got places to be at. And uh, it says the Samaritan took pity on him when he saw him. He saw him and he took pity on him. I wonder how many of us aren't asking God to allow us to see. God, show me the brokenness. Show me the people that are hurting. Show me the issues that people are going through. I want to see it before I even know about it or am told about it. And so because the man sees, he takes pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged up his wounds and he poured oil and wine on him. And then he put the man on his own donkey. We'll stop there. Let's rewind. How many of us stop when we see it? I can't do it. I don't got enough time. But finally, we decide to step in. and Now it's ugly. Now it's messy. This person's too far gone. This person has too many issues. This person has too many things wrong with them. Um, Do we stop there? Okay, no, maybe we don't stop there. Maybe we step in and we bandage the wounds. We pour the oil. We pour the wine. But now the man realizes the Samaritan. He's got to give up his own seat on his own donkey, and now he's got to walk. I don't know about you, but that could probably cross. That draws the line for many. I, I can't give up what's mine, and now, ha, now I have to change what I do because um, somebody else has to sit here. That's my seat. That's my seat. Some of y'all have your own seat in this church right now. If anybody dares sit in it next week, you're saying something. And if they ain't moving, you're going to bring the pastor in. Pastor Ron, this is my seat. In fact, I've stitched my name underneath. Look at it. (laughs) And so is that where we stop? Or it goes on to say, so he puts him on the donkey and he brings him to an end where he's taken care of. So now he's, he's seeing him. He's serving him. Now he's sacrificing for him. To bring him now to a place where now his wallet has to take the sacrificing, has to take the beating. He didn't just put him in some shack or he didn't bring him to some shelter or he didn't just bring him to some bridge. He brings him to a place. He he gives up his seat. Reminds me one time when it was pouring down rain and I saw this guy uh, on his bike and he was at a red light and I'm like, I rolled down the window. I'm like, yo, you need a ride? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, dang it. You know, I just wanted to, I wanted to step out in faith, you know. But I was like, I just got to help this guy. And he takes his bike and he throws in the back of my truck and he hops in. And he happened to be going the same way I was going. And, you know, it, it dawned on me that the dude is so, like, he's, he's wet. And now my whole chair is wet. But I didn't think about it when I did it. And nor did I care. And so I'm, I'm just saying sometimes we have to be able to step out of where we're at and put somebody else there. And so the man, the good Samaritan, gives up his seat at his donkey. It goes to say in verse 35, the next day he takes out two denarii, which is about a day's wage, and he gives them to the innkeeper. He says, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Come on. Talk about going the extra mile. Not just giving somebody a helping hand, bringing them up, but saying, I got you, and I will continue to get you. I will serve you, and I will continue to serve you. Because investing in people isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. God is calling us not just step out in faith once and honor somebody. Step out in faith once and restore somebody. God is saying, I want you to do it for the rest of your days. For the rest of our days. But, Jacob, I've been praying for so long. It's been about a year. Nothing's happened. Keep praying. I've been giving so much, and I haven't seen any change. Well, keep giving. I've been, stre- I've been stretching out. I've been extending a hand. I've been giving rides. Just I'm not seeing anything in my return. And guess what? You may not ever until you are in glory with Jesus. But we can never stop. If people are worth it and we believe that, then we can never, ever give up. Tell somebody next to you, you're worth it. You're worth it. This has to be our mentality. As I close with this, if we're to, really care for people, if we're to really serve people, and if we're to really invest in people, and, um, you know, I didn't do it all right, I didn't figure it out, I, I, I slowly but surely started to learn, and I'm going to still learn while I'm here, but if there's anything amazing I got to see over the past eight years, it was, it was somebody who, maybe you have children in here who were in fifth grade, I watched them go from fifth grade to their first year of college, actually, I think I got some students in this room right now who, I got to watch that and witness that. Come on like that. I got to see it. And I didn't just cheer them on. It's real easy to just cheer people on. And um, I don't know what I was gonna say, but uh, it's one thing to cheer somebody on and it's another thing to actually believe in somebody because uh, sometimes they don't need you cheering them on. Sometimes they need you weeping with them, broken down with them. Sometimes you gotta take off your shoes and put on their shoes and feel the pain that they're going through. And so it looks much more than just cheering somebody on from a distance. It looks much more than just high-fiving somebody and saying, you got this. It looks dirty sometimes. It ain't always sexy. It hurts. There's going to be things that you'll have to sacrifice in your life if you really care about the well-being and about the soul of somebody else. There's going to be a sacrificial part to this. And so if you really care, if you really want to invest, if we really are searching for the one when Jesus left the 99. Do you think he said, after about two hours of giving, of searching, it got dark, and I was like, I, I can't do this. After a year of trying to find somebody, I just can't do this. After years of praying for somebody, I just can't do this. It's too dark. you think Jesus said that when he was finding the one? Nah, whatever. I got 99 over here. Nah, he went to the ends of the earth. He did whatever it took. And so I, I want this to be our mentality, church, and I, I try to make this my mentality is as, I still fail at this, and I still, and I will fail you, and I will fail my friends, and I will fail uh, the people around me. But that's certainly not what I'm aiming towards. I want to do what's right, and so I think this has to be our mentality: that we will go to the ends of the earth if we have to, as long as it doesn't cause me to sin or compromise in my faith. I will give up myself to help somebody else. I'm not because if we really believe. people, if you really are investing in people, then we have to believe that where they are at is where they cannot stay. There's always got to be progress made. I'm not saying it's got to be immediate or it's got to be quick. It can take time. You know, we often pray for healing or, or miracles to happen for somebody. And it's been a day, God, why didn't you heal somebody? God says, I'm looking for the miraculous, the instantaneous. I'm looking for the faithfulness of your prayers. Healing is faithful. It's over time. It doesn't happen just instantaneously. And so we have to believe that where people are at isn't where they're supposed to stay. And it may take time, but Lord willing, I pray that I can be a part of that. Well, that's what I pray. No matter who I come in contact with, can I better them? Can I serve them? Dr. Tony Evans said, God measures our effect on people not by how many dollars we have in the bank account, but by how we have bettered the lives of others and influenced them for good. Church, people are worth it. I'm not saying you gotta go ahead today and start putting people on pedestals. I'm saying you gotta be the pedestal. You gotta be the pedestal for some people around you. I don't care how ugly it looks. I don't care how not sexy it looks. You gotta be the pedestal. So you gotta slow down. You gotta slow down for just some, some time. You gotta start looking. You gotta start seeing. You gotta start serving. You gotta start sacrificing. But I go back to this, this passage in second P, or Philippians 2 as it finishes. We read 1 through 4. Let me read with you 5 through 8. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage but rather somebody say rather come on somebody say rather but rather he made himself nothing Jesus made the Son of God made himself nothing who could have done anything at any moment? he said he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant that's, that's backwards in today's society. The servants are the least. Jesus says they're the greatest. So he says, I made myself nothing but the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled, there's, there's the humility word. He says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so, I don't know about you, and I don't know where you're at today, but perhaps God is stirring inside of you to become a better lover of people, to become a better believer in people, to become a better investor in people. Because if we walk with this mentality that I'm more worth it, we'll never succeed in life. But if we can say, God, people are worth it. And how can I say, I love you, yet hate my brother? I cannot do the same. So, today, somebody say, Today. So, today, I will invest more, I will love more, I will honor more, so God can get the glory. And so when I step in heaven one day, long time from now, long time from now, I pray when I step in heaven at some point I look back and I'll see my friends. I'll see my family. I'll see the, the strangers that I met. I'll see the people that I met. Not so I can have any gain, but so Christ can have the glory. I would hate to get to that place and see nobody. I would hate to see nobody that I knew. I would I would hate to see I would hate to see none of my coworkers. I would hate to see none of my employees. I would hate to see uh, not my employer. I, maybe, maybe not, but I would hate. I'm just kidding. I know some of you are thinking that. They ain't worth it, Jesus. There's, there's some that are just too far gone, too far gone. And Jesus says, nobody's too far gone. I don't care if you're a million steps away from me. It's only one step back. It's only one step back. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Jesus, I just, we come before you today. And may your words and your scripture, as we've read about the Good Samaritan Luke chapter 10 and as we read about uh, Paul's letter as he writes to the church Philippi about being humble and valuing others Lord would we make a declaration today and maybe we've made this before to say you know what I'm going to start living a life that's not about me I'm going to start living a life that puts people above me so I can be beneath I want to be beneath God I want to be beneath. Come on, maybe you're in this room today or maybe you're watching online and it's hard to say, but maybe today's the first time you're gonna say it. I want to be beneath. I want to be beneath. Lord, use everything I have. Use everything that I own. Use it. But I don't want to sin. I don't want to compromise my faith, but I want to live sacrificially, even if that means making myself with your heads closed or your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna pray and ask anybody in this room if, you know, maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe it's been maybe it's been a, a long time coming and it's been a while. Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, man, I don't know who this Jesus is, but there's something stirring in my heart. If you're in this room and there's something stirring in your heart, God is knocking at the door. You know, it says that all have fallen, all have sinned. Romans says that nobody is deserving of it. Nobody earns it. There is a punishment, but it says in Romans 5:8 that God demonstrated his love that while we were sinners, he died for us. Even in the moments that we sin, even the moments that we will sin, God died for you. So that perhaps there is one person who would say, Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. And so would you do me a favor? Would everybody in this room, would you all stand to your feet? With your eyes closed and your heads bowed still, and I wonder if there's anybody in this room who's now standing, you would say, Jacob, man, it's been a long time, but I know that I need to accept Jesus into my life. Jesus says in Romans 10, 3, 10, 13, it says, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're in this room, if you're watching online, and you know that you need to give your heart to the Lord, you know you need to start living selflessly and not selfishly, I wanna pray this prayer over with you. And would you all in this room, would you repeat it after me? Would you say, Heavenly Father, forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Make me a new person. Help me to start living for you and for people and not for myself. God, I am your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, everybody shout in one loud voice. Come on, can you put your hands together for all those who gave their hearts to the Lord? And come on, would you sing this?